Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. When we come into this place, we have just this incredible, incredible opportunity to be able to learn from His Word, amen? And His Word is powerful, amen? His Word is powerful. If you ingest this Word... It will release power into your life. Amen? We serve a God of power. We serve a God of might. Amen? The Bible says that it is his right hand that, that holds us all. What a treasure that is knowing that, that, that God is so powerful, church. He is so able. Sometimes I think we minimize or we think in our minds that, that there's things that are impossible for God, but nothing is impossible for God. I know that sounds tough to believe, it sounds challenging to believe, but when you've been in an a, in a impossible situation and you've seen God come through, then you know that nothing is impossible. But a lot of times we live our life and we find out that in our life sometimes we've faced impossible situations. How many of you have ever faced you know, those types of challenges in your life that were just, it's like, Lord, unless you step into the middle of this, I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know, Lord, how we're going to get to the other side. I don't know, Lord, how, you know, the outcome is, is going to be, you know, the desired result. But it's so awesome because God is faithful. He's just able, church. He's just able. And, and that excites my heart. And so over the last several weeks, we've been, uh, you know, learning of, uh, this message that I've been teaching called Fall Afresh on Us. I believe it is a direction that the Lord is leading us in. How many of you know that the Lord is always leading us? Amen. He, he leads us beside still waters in, in Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6. It says, lean not on, on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Amen. The Lord is always, always leading us somewhere, church. And I believe the Lord has us in a season where he is leading us. And he's always leading us. But I believe we are in a, in a crucial time right now for our church and for our ministry that we need to have our spiritual eyes open. We need to have our hearts open and ready for what the Lord wants to do. Anytime the Lord does things in Scripture where we see that the Lord would pour out you know, His power and His presence upon His people, there was always a season of preparation that was before that. There was always a readying of the people. There was always kind of a, a sharpening of their, of their swords and their, and their knives, per se, because they were about to go into battle, amen? And I've really felt strongly, and I don't know if you've seen this as well, but if you've been attending services you know, here for the last two months, I believe we've all experienced and seen the same things. We're seeing just this increase in the power of God, amen? Are you seeing that too? I know I'm not the only one. And so because we see this increase of the power of God and we see this increase of, of just the, the Holy Spirit beginning to move more and more, guess what? Guess what I see? I see this as a great opportunity. I see this as a great a blessing that is about to come. But guess what? We have to fan the flame. Paul told Timothy, he said, fan the flame of the gift of God inside of you. Amen. And right now, the, the fire is, is, is still a couple sparks. It's still a couple coals that are, that are beginning to, to burn. But as you fan the flame, all of a sudden, it's going to take over, and it's going to roar, and it's going to do what only God can do. 
And so I believe that we are in a season of preparation where the Lord is preparing our hearts for something that is greater to come. And so as in this teaching, we've been learning, and if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Acts chapter 1. And we will find in Acts chapter 1 uh, the just key verses that we've been looking at. But really, we've, we've kind of been on verse 8. And so if you have your Bible, open it up to Acts 1 and 8 and just kind of put your, put your hand there, put your finger there. Just mark that just for a second. But we learned in this verse in Acts 1 and 8, the Scripture says you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Amen? Now, we know before this, we have, you know, uh, the, the individuals that were in the upper room. And they were waiting. The last thing that the Lord said was, he said, wait for the gift. Wait and tarry in Jerusalem until the promised Holy Spirit would come to you. So they were given a previous instruction. They were told to wait and stay in one place. Amen? How many of you are good at waiting? No, you're not. <laughs> Nobody's good at waiting. Uh, you know, I was on my way to church, and, and uh, I, was, I picked up uh, uh, Noelia for, for church on our way, and, and uh, she lives at the university. And so as I was driving towards the university, there was like a stop sign, and I mean, the line was like 30 cars long. And I was like, really? Like right before church, you know, I'm like, I'm already in a hurry as it is. And I, I do my best to be on time. And so I was like, man, you know, so the first thing I said was I looked at my clock and it was 518. And I'm like, all right, let's see how long this is going to take. It took me five minutes just to get to the stop sign. And then it took another like four or five minutes just to get to the university, uh, you know, area where she's at. And I was like, man, you know, just extra time. And waiting is something that, that most of us struggle with. Waiting is, is one of those things that every one of us tends to struggle with because we like to have things on our own time. Amen? You like to get things when you want them. You like to get things when you're ready for them. You, you want to have things when, when, you know, it's convenient for you. And the Bible says that God is not affected by time the way you and I are. Amen? God's not getting gray up in heaven. We are. Not, maybe not you guys in this front row, you know, some of us other seasoned individuals. God's not affected by time the way that you and I are affected by the time. The Bible says that a day to the Lord is as what? As a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. Well, I don't know about you, but most of us are not going to be on this earth for a thousand years. And so the Lord wants you and I to learn one of the greatest, most basic fruits of the Spirit. Patience. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, and there's patience. He tells these, this group of individuals, he says, wait and pray in Jerusalem until you receive power. Now, again, I could say that, you know, a lot of people were hesitant in that moment or, or, or in that time because nobody likes waiting. I don't care if it was 2,000 years ago. They still complained in the Bible. They still said, how long is it going to take us to get from Egypt to the promised land? How long is it going to take? You know, we've been going through this desert for years and it seems like we're never going to get there. And maybe there's a situation in your life where you have been waiting for something. 
You've been waiting for, you know, a, a new job. You've been waiting. Maybe some of you desire to have children. You've been waiting on that. Or maybe some of you desire to have a spouse. You've been waiting on that. You've been waiting, waiting, waiting. And in our view and in our minds, we have this internal clock, if you will. And we say, well, I want it by this time. Now, how many of you know that God has the final word? Amen? I've wanted a lot of things at this time, and God's like, you need to wait. Because sometimes the blessing is greater than your capacity to receive it. You think you're ready. You think you're like, oh, man, you know what? I'm ready for it today. I'm ready for it now. And God's like, wait. A lot of people were probably told about this power that was about to come. But I can guarantee that not everybody waited for it. Some people got weary. Some people got tired. Some people said, ah, they just became doubtful after a certain point, right? Like, you know, I just don't even think it's going to happen at this point. And so they grew weary in their waiting. But the Bible says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then after that, it says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this is where we're going to start tonight. I want us to just pray over the word. Father, we thank you. Lord, we glorify your name, Father. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us mightily. Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, Lord. May your word just, uh, God, just jump out to us. God, may it be alive, alive Lord, just in a, in a powerful way, Lord. And may our hearts... And our ears, God, just be open to receive everything that you have for us tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And so we see here in this scripture, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now this is, this is incredibly important because God never gives power without purpose. Amen? God's never going to give you power in your life and strength in your life or peace in your life without purpose. But you are empowered for a purpose. Amen? You are empowered in your life for a purpose. At times in your life, for those of you, how many of you have just like been in church every day of your life? Raise your hand. That's okay if you have. Praise God. No judgment. Some of you are like, I was born in the pew. Praise God. Others of you maybe have not been in church your whole life, but if you've been in you've had a relationship with God, maybe you've been attending church for, how many of you have been attending church for over a year? Raise your hand. Mainly all of us. Okay, so you've been in the Lord for a year's time, and you might have ever asked yourself this question. You might say, what is this all about? What is it all about? What is it that, that we, that, you know, we come, we receive, we go, we come back, we receive, we go. You know, what is this whole thing about? And we've asked ourselves that question, why does the church exist? And the a- answer is very simple. The church exists to be a rescue mission. The church exists to receive and care for the broken. The church exists to guide and find the lost. And to love and to value those still without Christ. This is why the church exists. Amen? This is why we gather. A lot of times we have gotten it inside out or we have turned it and we've made it into a backwards theology where we come for us. And we gather for our needs and we gather for what we can get from God. But the disciples. 
They prepared to receive an empowerment from God and to be empowered for what? Again, they were empowered. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my, everybody say it, witnesses. This is why the power has come into your life. This is why you wait for that power is so you can be a witness of what God has done in your life. Amen. How many of you are a testimony of God? Amen. That is you have received the Lord has done a great thing in your life. And guess what? When the Lord has done something powerful in your life, if you're like me, I got a problem talking. Okay. I know you guys have realized that by by now. I can talk to anybody. I talked to the vivant guy that came by my house today. And he said he was going to watch this live stream. So if he's watching, he has just become an illustration in my sermon. Be careful when you talk to pastors. Because they can and will use you in a sermon. Sometimes we don't reveal all the details. But the Vivint guy came to my house today to sell what Vivint people sell and all that kind of stuff. It's not a commercial for them, so I hope they don't shut off the live stream. (laughs) But he comes to my house and we stood there for like an hour and I don't know how long. And I ministered to his heart. He showed up to sell me something and he got Jesus in return. Why? Because that which you're full of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God has been so good to me and I know the Lord has been so good to you. That you have to speak it. Amen. You have to be a witness. Acts 22 and verse 14 says. Then he said the God of our fathers. Has chosen you to know his will. And to see the righteous one. And to hear words from his mouth. Verse 15. You will be his witness to all men. Of what you have seen and heard. Again we see this word witness. What does it say? It says the God of the fathers has chosen you to know his will. God wants you to know what's about to happen. God wants you to be connected to his heart. It says, and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You cannot hear God if you never open this. You cannot hear God if you never pray. We have to have a connected 24-7 relationship with the Lord. It says, to hear words from his mouth, it says, and you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. How many of you have ever seen God do a miracle? Raise your hand. You are a living miracle, amen? But how many of you have seen God do a miracle? You've seen God do something in the life of an individual. I was testifying uh, just before service today, and, I, and some of you remember this. There was two individuals that basically died in our church several years ago. And pastor walked off the pulpit, and there was a guy that was ashing in the back of our church. No pulse. I don't know about you, but I think that means that they're dead. No pulse in the individual, and pastor goes back there and realizes this is not just a... An individual that has fallen over and and died. This is a spiritual attack. He began to pray and he rebuked that demon in Jesus' name and it let the man go and he breathed and he stood up and life was back in his body. I've seen the Lord do amazing things. 
The Lord's given me words for individuals where I've prayed for them knowing a condition, and I didn't know the condition, but knowing a condition that the Holy Spirit revealed to me and saw a miracle happen in their life. There was a woman that I met in Oklahoma that I, the Holy Spirit told me to pray for three specific things, and one of those things was diabetes, and I had prayed for that. And on that night, she said, how did you know? Who told you that I'm going through X, Y, and Z? I said, well, the Holy Spirit. She's like, well, he was right. Like, yeah, he doesn't make mistakes. I do. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I heard what he said. She calls me three, three four weeks later after, you know, we, we had left Oklahoma and we had come back already. And I think it was like three weeks. And she said, guess what, Pastor Duke? I have been off my insulin for the last three weeks. I said, well, okay. Are you still alive? You know, am I talking to a spirit here? She's like, no, 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 I am doing fantastic. In fact, the doctors say, I am no longer diabetic. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. See, I've witnessed miracles. I've seen the Lord do mighty things. And even if I had not seen a miracle, experiencing and encountering the power of God within myself, knowing that he is with me, knowing that he is real and that he is sure, I have every responsibility to tell the world about him, to witness and testify what I have seen. When I first got saved, when the Lord saved me at 15 years old, I didn't have words to explain what I had felt. How many of you, you know, you've been there, right? Like it's like you don't know exactly how to explain it to an individual that you have felt the comfort and the embrace of God. You don't always have the words to say like, you know, I, I know he's real. I know the presence of God is real. I know I have felt his power and I've felt him touch my life, but I don't exactly know how to say this to you. All I know it's because that Jesus, one day, he died upon a cross for my sins. And because he died upon that cross for my sins, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And because he has given me his Holy Spirit, he is living and reigning in my life today. I didn't have words for that when I first experienced it, but I know now what it was. He has empowered you, church, to be a witness. He says you will be a witness to all men of what you have seen and of what you have heard. Let's keep going. Acts 13 and 47 says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Let's read that one more time. I have made you a light for the Gentiles. The Gentiles were, were, you had the Jews who were God's chosen people, and then you had the Gentiles who were, who were not Jewish. They were the rest of us. We're Gentiles, unless anybody in here is Jewish, but I don't think so. <laughs> we are the Gentiles, right? We are the, we are the other ones that were not, you know, the, the, the original family of God. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that because... We have a father, and he sent his son, and because his son died in our place, now you and I are grafted in as sons and daughters of God. The Gentiles now have been made away, and it says here, I've made you a light for them. I have made you a light for the rest of the world that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. You see, a lot of people think that because they've got saved, like, that's, I'm good. I'm saved, you know, life's, life's good. 
me and my family, me and my household, we're going to Jesus, we're going we're gonna to get to heaven one day. But that's not all that the Lord has for you. It's not now just, okay, I'd sit and I ride this thing out until heaven opens and he takes us to be with him. But no, there is a purpose in the fact that you know him now. Amen? There is a purpose behind the fact that he has saved you when he saved you. Because every single one of us in here has family. Amen? Every single one of you has friends. Amen? If you don't have a friend, I'll be your friend. Every single one of us has confidence in people that we trust and people that maybe we don't trust. Every single one of us goes by people every single day. And he said that if you have received his power, that you would be a witness. You see, when you began this journey in your relationship with God, it was never meant to satisfy you alone. But rather in knowing and having a relationship with Christ, you are to be an extension of the love of Christ that he offers to everyone. That he offers to everyone. There are people right now that need to know this love. Amen? They need to know this power. The disciples, after they waited and they prayed and they agreed, they began to reassemble and prepare for the ministry that was to come. Acts chapter 1 and verse 21 goes on to say this. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all at the time that the Lord Jesus went uh, in and out amongst us, it says, beginning from the baptism of John till the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Verse 23, and they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and they said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show, uh, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and this apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. Verse 26, and they cast their lots and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And so what is happening here is now there is a preparation. The disciples were preparing their team of ministers. They were preparing their leadership team, if, if, if I could put it that way. And they were preparing for the work that was about to be done after the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so like I said at the beginning of this message, right now is a season of preparation. Right now is a season of preparation for the power of God. Listen to me carefully. Get ready. Don't stay idle. An idle mind is the breeding ground for evil deeds. Don't stay idle. That means that they, they don't get slack. Don't stop reading this every day. In fact, read it twice a day. Don't get slack in your prayer life because nothing happened the time that you wanted it to happen. Don't get slack in your worship time to the Lord because, you know, uh, your problems are, are so big and so vast and so great. Don't get slack in your relationship with him because the Lord is going to pour out on us in a mighty way. And those of us who have been preparing and using this season as a season of preparation, I believe the Lord will use you in greater ways to come. I believe that God could have delayed his power of the Holy Spirit if he knew that their hearts weren't ready to work. On that day, for those that were there on the day of Pentecost, the Lord could have held out 50, 60, 70, 80 days if they weren't ready. But they had finally gotten to that place in their life where they were ready to receive that which the Lord 
had for them. We have to remember that in this instance, the disciples, they were in one accord. But I want us to think about this. The this question must still be asked, what if they weren't? When I taught a few Sundays ago, you know, I taught about unity in the body of Christ. And I taught about how the Lord is, it's always been the Lord's prayer. And it's always been over your life, that John 17 prayer, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. That's what the scripture says. That we would be one of mind, of heart, and of focus. That is, that all of our attention and our being would be, the same topic would be Jesus. It wouldn't be, oh, well, I come from this side of town, so that's what we're going to talk about. Or I come from that side of the town, so that's what we're going to talk about. But the conversation we, would be about Jesus and the plan of God for our lives. What if they weren't in one accord? Would the power have still come? Think about that. Think about that just for a second. Would God have given away the Holy Spirit just because? I believe no. Because according to Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit was given to empower the witness. He knew they were ready. And I believe, like I said just a minute ago, the Lord will withhold certain things, church, until he knows you're ready. So get ready. Amen? Get ready. Pray. Fast. Seek him. Get ready because the Lord wants to do something in your life. That word witness, it means this. Any person having knowledge of the truth and are willing to testify of that truth. That's what a witness is. Any person having knowledge of the truth and are willing to testify of that truth. Your testimony is an account of what God has done for you. Everyone raise your hand. Say, I have a testimony. Say it like you mean it. Say, I have a testimony. You have a testimony, church. You have a story to tell of what God has done for you. And guess what? Your testimony is an account of what God has done for you, and that will speak to an individual. But when the Holy Spirit is speaking through you, it, be go it goes beyond the individual, and it touches the soul of that person. I'm up here speaking to you right now and you are listening, but my words will do absolutely nothing for you. The Holy Spirit speaking through me will convict you of sin. The Holy Spirit speaking through me will speak truth to your life. The Holy Spirit speaking through me will reveal things to you. I can't touch that area of your life. That's only the Holy Spirit. That's only the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples, they're preparing themselves to have the minister of all ministers, the Holy Spirit, speak through their ministry. Speak through their life and speak through their ministry. Not only were they going to go deeper in their personal relationship with God, as you and I are pursuing the Lord, but they were going to connect with Christ in a deeper way through ministry. Now I'll ask this question tonight. Are you preparing yourself to be used by the Lord? Think about that. Are you preparing yourself to be used by the Lord? Because that is what this season is for. Because the power of God is going to come in a greater measure. But I have to say this. Ministry is often a misunderstood work. Many people think that ministry is creating a schedule of events for the church to participate in. 
But real ministry is reaching the souls of those you are ministering to. Amen? Now, in our day and age, it looks like gatherings and services and events that can be geared as an environment to host the Holy Spirit to move in, but they themselves do not move. This building doesn't go anywhere after the lights shut off. You do. Amen? This is a gathering place for the saints to come and get recharged and, and you know, have our faith built up and, and edify each other in the Lord. Amen? This is a place where iron sharpens iron. That's good. But when the lights shut off, this building doesn't go anywhere. It stays right here. You go everywhere. I go everywhere. We go out into the world. Amen? Reinhard Bonnke. How many of you know who Reinhard Bonnke was? He has since gone on to be with the Lord. Reinhard Bonnke was, I mean, if you thought Billy Graham was, was amazing, and Billy Graham is amazing, a tremendous vessel used by the Lord to preach to millions of people. Reinhard Bonnke was, was a missionary to, to Europe, to Africa, really to the entire world. And he would have millions at a gathering. Millions of people at a gathering. And he uttered these words. He said this. He said, the less Holy Spirit that we have, he says, the more coffee and the more cake that we need to keep the church going. Such a profound yet sad statement. Because the reason that I'm here is because I want to touch from heaven. I want to drink from the fountain of life. And it doesn't matter who showed up or who didn't show up. I'm going to meet with Jesus. Because he's here. He's always available for you and I. But think about this. He says the less Holy Spirit we have, the more coffee and cake that we need to keep the church going. And how sad it is, church, that... that Churches nowadays, that's what they thrive in doing. That is the greatest service that they provide is some warm coffee for you. And people still leave, leave oppressed and bound and addicted. And instead of receiving from the power of God, instead of receiving that which the Lord desires to give them. And so those of you who have ever participated in ministry, you should understand and know what being a disciple of Christ really is. But in case you forgot, let me remind you. It's about serving others as you serve Christ. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In case you forgot about what ministry really is, it's about showing love to others as you love Christ. Amen? John 13 and 35 says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Now, let me stop there. How much has God loved you? Quite a bit. <laughs> you can't quantize how much God has loved you. There is no numerical value that would express how much God loves you. And how many times we were undeserving of that love and yet he still loved you. Amen? We can't measure that. It is so vast. But he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, which means every day, in the good, in the bad, in the failures, in the hurts, in the disappointments. 
He says, so you must love one another. And he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So there's an evidence here in our life as we minister to the lives of others that we are truly disciples. What else is ministry? It's speaking the word of God to others as it speaks to you. How many of you have ever met an individual that came into your life, they were broken and they were, you know, they just needed answers and they needed somebody to talk to and they came to you, amen? And because they came to you, they, they, they were hoping and trusting and praying that you had been praying and that you had been reading your Bible and you had a word prepared for their life. But when they came to you, you were like, uh, I'll be praying for you. I hope you do okay. You see, as the Lord is speaking to your life, as you're in the word on a daily basis, as you've been getting your daily bread, now you're prepared. Now your sword is sharp. So when somebody comes in need of a word of encouragement, in need of a word of hope, in need just of a connection with God, you're ready. The Bible says to be, be prepared in season and out of season. Amen? We should never lack in our preparation because you never know when somebody's going to call upon you. You never know when somebody's going to be in need. And so ministry is about speaking the word of God to others as it is speaking to your life. But if you never read it, you never, you, you never ingest it, it is not speaking to your life, then you have nothing to say to somebody else. Matthew 10 and 7 was, this was the commandment that was given to the disciples. He says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Now, I have to stop there because a lot of people want to omit these verses and act like they're not for you and I. If you saw the ministry and you saw the work of the apostles after the Holy Spirit had filled their life with empowerment, the witness and the miracles followed. They only stopped when people stopped receiving the power. So you can't let your experience and you can't let your lack of preparation Change what the word of God says. Still says it. It hasn't changed. He's not going to rewrite it. He's not going to edit it. He's not going to go back and say, ah, this part you can leave it out because that doesn't apply. No, he says, as you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is ministry. One day, if you are in, empowered in, and filled with the Holy Spirit, guess who's going to show up? The devil. The enemy. He's going to show up. And he's going to challenge your life. He's going to challenge you through, through a, a, an individual that is possessed by a demon. He's going to challenge you through a circumstance that seems impossible. He's going to challenge your life. I've shared this testimony before, and I'll share it briefly with you, but years ago when I was, when I was a young man, and this has happened a few times since, but uh, I'm still a young man. I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to lie from behind the pulpit. But years ago, 
I'll never forget I had this particular encounter and, and this was, was not something that, you know, was, I was hoping for or welcoming, but I was in a season of preparation. It was right before the Lord would begin to call me into full-time ministry and, and it was just a time where I had been seeking him diligently, faithfully, and, and I would pray every night. I would read my, my Bible and I would, you know, I was working at a pharmacy at the time and I would read my Bible at lunchtime and, man, I mean, I was just, I was filling myself with the word, filling myself with the word. And guess who showed up knocking on my door? The enemy came into my bedroom one night about 11.30 p.m. And I saw what was like a completely black cloud covering the ceiling in my bedroom. And as soon as I identified that there was a black cloud in my room, because, you know, it's kind of not normal, right? You know, it's like I was just about to go to bed. It's like, oh, there's a black cloud in my room. <laughs> What's you, what are you doing here? I instantly felt seven sets of hands on my body. Now, this is the true as testimony as I can share with you tonight. A set of hands on my neck, a set of hands each on my arms, on my waist, and on the bottom of my legs. And in my mind, the first thing that I said was, I rebuke you, Satan. But I couldn't speak. I had no breath. I couldn't even get a word out physically. So if you felt like seven huge men, football players, strong guys, bearing down on you, that's what I felt. It felt like there was a few thousand pounds just pressing down on me. I felt like I was, like my bed went down like two feet because I was just being squished. And I began to rebuke uh, Satan in my mind because I could not utter physically a word. And as I said that, there became a point in that instance where I realized that this is life or death. This is life or death. Do you realize, church, that you are in a spiritual war? This is life or death. This is life or death. This is, this is a real thing here. One day you will pass from this earth and you will, the Bible says that our ashes will go back to the dust of this earth. But this is a spiritual battle that you are now enlisted in. Last I checked, you know, guys weren't standing on the front line at a battle in a war zone, you know, just like checking their Facebook no, they're prepared, they're alert, they're ready. They're focused. And I remember that in this season of preparation, this, this began to happen in my life. And I, and I thought to myself, in, during this encounter, I'm like, what is going on? But as I began to rebuke the devil, I began to believe it. And there came a point where I said, just because I'm saying it doesn't mean I believe it. And a lot of us are so used to saying the things that we're taught to say and saying the things that we've seen others say, but we don't realize that there is actual power behind it. And in that moment, I began to believe it, and I said, no, 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 I rebuke you, Satan. And as soon as I believed it, it was over. And I got up, and I went to, into my, my restroom, and, and, you know, I was just sleeping in shorts or whatever, I went into my restroom and I saw marks on my neck, marks on my arms, marks on my, my sides, and marks on my legs. 100% real. Why do I say that? Because the enemy's greatest deceit is to get you to believe that he's not real. 
And it gets you to believe that somehow that he's not actually doing and working and, and manifesting and that, oh, you know, I'm fine. And all oh, that demon possession stuff and all, oh, you know, the people being healed of the sick, you know, that stuff's of the past. No, no, no. Listen to my friend. It is a spiritual war. And unless you go into that spiritual war, having been prepared, having put on the full armor of God, carrying the sword of the spirit, unless you go into that spiritual war with that mindset, my friend, you will always be defeated. And you will never experience what true freedom looks like in the Lord. You will never experience what true freedom looks like in God. You see, that's what ministry is. You see, you have been given power not just to leave the sword under your bed. You've been given power, church, not just to you know, sit back and allow sickness and disease to run rampant in your life. I pray that this is witnessing to somebody tonight. You have been given power, church, to not just sit back and do nothing with it. You've been given power for a purpose. Ministry is about being a witness and an example of the power of Christ in you. Mark 16 and 20 says, Then the disciples, they went out and they preached everywhere. Think about that. There's places in this world right now that you would not set foot in. I'm not going to mention them. But there are places in this world that you would not set foot in. And the Bible says that the disciples, were, they went out and they preached everywhere. Do you know that every person needs Jesus? And in, until we get this in our mind to realize that there are no limits in the areas that you and I can minister, there should be no restrictions that you and I are to minister in. The, the Lord has determined a purpose and a plan for you to minister to these people. This is why every single year, every single day, God is calling upon hearts of people, men and women, young men and women, to become missionaries, to go into parts of the world that people would not want to go. But even if you're not called to go to a different country, you have to understand that there's still people that are very, very close to you that are incredibly broken. There are people in bars and in clubs and in areas that you wouldn't set foot in, but the Bible says that the word is to be preached everywhere. You are to be a witness everywhere. We can't stop and think for a second just because somebody told us that we can't talk about Jesus at work, that we're supposed to obey that. We have to obey the word of the Lord. The disciples went and they preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and he confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. You see, power accompanies the impossible. I'll say that again. Power accompanies the impossible. Unless by faith we pray for those in impossible situations, the power won't manifest. You see how this works? Unless we're too satisfied and comfortable by sitting around and just having somebody talk to us and us doing nothing with it, the power won't manifest. But unless by faith you are moved in your life and moved in your heart to say, God, I know this person, they don't, they've told me they don't believe in you, God, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to witness to them. I'm going to pray for them, God. I'm going to tell them about your love. I'm going to tell them about your goodness, Lord. I'm going to tell them about how awesome you have been in my life, Lord. I love what the scripture said. It says they preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them. And he confirmed his word 
What does the Bible say in the book of Isaiah? That his word will not come back void. It looks like a voided check if you don't use it right. This is where we're misled. If you stay comfortable and you stay in the boat like the other 11 disciples did, and instead Peter got off the boat because he heard the Lord calling him, then you will never step into the impossible. But if you realize that, hold on a second, this power that is at work within me, the Bible says that what? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. This power that the Lord has given you has, is given to you, church, and you can accomplish and you can see amazing things. You can see the impossible actually become possible. That's what true faith looks like. When it supersedes your logic and your thinking and you go, oh, wow, actually, I can step into this situation and we can see it happen. We can see dead bones arise. We can see lives resurrect. We can see blind eyes open because this is the power of our God. Amen. And so tonight, God has called every single one of us as he calls, that calls ourselves disciples of Christ to be a witness of him to this world. I want to be filled in my relationship with Christ. Amen. How about you? I want, to, I want to, you know, have the Lord just empower my life. But to receive an empowerment to minister. You see, the gospel is exactly what took those that followed Jesus from hearers to doers. What does the scripture say? Don't be hearers of the word only. But be doers of the word. Amen. Faith accompanied by works. Or faith not accompanied by works is what? It's dead. I want a living faith. Amen? I want a living faith where I see lives change. It took these disciples from a place of listening to a life of action. Amen? How many of you want to be used for the kingdom? Amen? Raise your hand if you want to be used by the kingdom. Amen? You want to be used by the king? How many of you want to be a vessel that the Lord can use to, to, to see salvation come to the lives of others? Amen? The disciples, when they chose that new apostle, they had to factor in some requirements. And I've got just a couple minutes, so we'll get into this quickly. There was a few things that were required by the apostles, and I believe it's something that every one of us must adhere to. And so I want us to look at these prerequisites to be taken deeper by the Lord and being used by God in ministry. Number one is this, is leaders are always, and they must be associated by fellowship. What does this mean? I've read this scripture to you before, and, and it's, you know, just a verse that has always stuck out to me. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. I didn't give it to the guys in the back, but you may remember that verse. that says, bad company corrupts good character. Leaders must be associated by fellowship. That is, they must be in fellowship with other believers over a long period of time. Paul said that they must not be novices. They must not be new believers, not yet grounded in faith. People must not be chosen to be leaders until they are mature in the Lord and have been proven to be genuine. 1 Timothy 3 and 6 says, the version that I have, it says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, they fall into the condemnation of the devil. This is incredibly important because when the Lord is about to do something new, the Lord needs men to work with. Amen? He needs women of God to work with. And so in this season of preparing what, what I believe is to come, the Lord is looking for those individuals that have set themselves apart, that have consecrated themselves. That, that means that you are set apart for the purposes of God. 
Listen, you have to live a life, church, where not everybody is your friend. That's okay. Sometimes there's individuals that you have to let go of and you can't be associated with so that God can use you. So that your life is ready to be used by God. It it, it was in a particular time of my life where the Lord just kind of like went... And he drew a line in the sand, and there were some people on this side, and there were some people that were on that side. And I had to learn really quick, church, that unless I wanted to be used by the Lord, that there were certain relationships that (sighs) doesn't mean you stop reaching and witnessing to those people. It just simply means that you have to come to this side. It means that you have to come to that place where the Lord will set you apart. The second thing is this, is leaders must know the Lord Jesus personally. In order to be used by God, you need to know who God is. Amen? That is, you have a personal relationship with Jesus. You have a personal relationship of who he is. A witness, that is, you are a witness of his resurrection power. A leader must not only know Jesus or know about Jesus, but know Jesus themselves. They must not only profess Jesus, but they must possess Jesus in their life. They must not only believe that Jesus lived, but know that Jesus lives. You hear the difference, amen? They must not only read the story of Jesus, but live a life like Jesus. They must not only walk after a religion of Jesus, but follow Jesus, the risen Lord themselves. They must not only be willing to lead others, but be leading others already, no matter how few. They must not only talk about witnessing, but they must witness. You see, there's a difference. We can have conversations about all these things, but listen, until you are living it out, then you're ready. Amen? We must not only want the resurrected power or talk about the resurrected power of God, but you must already know the power of God. You see, they must be men, these were men who were highly esteemed by the earliest believers. And if you are called by Christ, think about this, and this is important. If you are called by Christ, do you think that your lifestyle is a reflection of him who called you. This is so important. This is so important. Because sometimes we think we have the right to live the way that we want. Last time I checked, the life of surrender looks like complete submission to his will. It means that at some point I have given up my rights. I said, Lord, it's not about what, what I want. Lord, I just want to please you. Do you think that you will be esteemed by your peers? Think about that just for a second. I hope so. <laughs> we would all like to hope and think and believe that, you know, others that are around us, that know us, they, you know, they hold us in high regard because of the way that we live our life. And that is for Jesus and for Jesus alone. But if they don't, then maybe that is the Lord calling you to a higher level in him. Amen? Maybe if they still look at you as immature, they still look at you from a certain lens or point of view in your life, it's because there's things in your life that need worked on. Amen? Mark 3 and 14 says this, And he ordained the twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Number three, leaders must be appointed through prayer. This is very important. You know, this is not picking teams, you know, when you were in school. How many of you dreaded the picking teams moment in in PE? (laughs) You know, you're there and you're like, oh, 
I don't want to be last. <laughs> in the kingdom, it works, though. The last shall be first, right? But in PE, you know, it's not always the, the funnest thing to be the last one that was picked on the team that might be indicative of your athletic skills. <laughs> but in the kingdom, leaders must be appointed through prayer. God must be sought for two very clear reasons, but often neglected ones. Because God, number one, God alone knows the heart. You can pass an eye test before an individual, and you can pass, you know, a certain, you know, kind of, you could look right, you could look the part to men. You could look the part to women, but God alone knows the heart. Amen? A person's heart cannot be truly known by others, and only the Lord can see within. That is, men can be fooled, and the fact was perfectly uh, clear when, when they had, uh, Judas had deceived the early believers. You see, in this moment, you know, people were duped into thinking that Judas was one of the twelve, and, and all of a sudden Judas turned his back on everybody. It was perfectly clear that men could choose a counterfeit. They could choose a carnal believer. That is, they needed to seek God, for he alone knew what was in the heart of man. The second thing is this, is God alone has the right to choose. Why? Because it's his work. He's the boss. Amen? He's the CEO. He's, he's, he's the VP. He's all the titles from top to bottom. And if we regard him as such, then we need to make sure that those we are appointing into office are there placed there by him. See, the church mission that was the church office and the church and the mission was God's. That is, God alone knew, his, knew the heart and he knew whom he wanted to fill the office. You remember the anointing of, of, of David. The prophet Samuel was, was sent to the house of Jesse and he was sent there and he sees all of these fine young men that are, that are there and he sees the oldest Eliab and he sees the rest of the brothers. And Samuel goes in there, and Eliab is this big, strong, strapping, good-looking guy, and he thinks, that's the king. Surely this is the one. And the Lord's like, nope. And he goes to the next brother, nope. And he goes to the next brother, nope. He finally gets to the, last, uh, to the end of the line, and he's going like, is there anyone else, Lord? And he asked the father, Jesse said, is there, is there anyone else? And he remembers that he has a son that's out there in the field, out there in the wilderness, tending to the sheep, David. And the Lord says, yeah, that's him. You see, we will pick things the way that we see fit. But the Lord knows the purpose and the plans, church. He knows the purpose and the plans. John 15 and 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You see, leaders are even to be appointed by the congregation and not by the leaders themselves. Acts 1 and 21 explains this. It says the whole group cast their lots and they voted for whom they thought God wanted. It wasn't just the 11 apostles that chose the 12th. But it was actually the entire congregation. Now, why do I say all of this? Some of you might be thinking right now, why this lesson on leadership? Why are you telling us about all this leadership stuff? Should you be seeking and desiring a deeper relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit? Then know this, that God will place his power on those who are willing to work as witnesses. 
He will place his power on those who are willing to work as witnesses. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It says, so ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. There is a world of opportunity. There is a world of harvest right outside these doors. There are fields. There are fields of localities, nationalities, classes, professions, health, abilities, emotional states, mental conditions. All are lost and all are spiritually sick and unreached. There is no end to the field of harvest. There is no end to the field of harvest. And so the Lord is looking for individuals. That is, he needs people. He needs believers, men, women, boys, and girls. He needs laborers. And guess what? He needs them now. And until there are reapers in this earth to go forth, the harvest will die and it will rot upon this earth. Every generation is a harvest field. Every single generation is a harvest field and ours needs to be reaped. This generation that is living now, it doesn't matter if they're young, it doesn't matter if they're old. This generation now needs to be reaped for the kingdom of God. And Christ desires that as you deepen yourself in him, that he can empower you for that purpose. That he can empower you for that purpose. Remember again, they prayed for 40 days to receive this power that was required to be a witness. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't like, well, I'll just talk about him with no power. No, they waited for the power. And when they got the power, it sprung them forth and it launched them to become a witness. John 20 and 21 says again, Jesus said, peace be with you. It says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 26 and 16 says, now get up and stand on your feet. He says, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is why you and I exist. This is why the Lord has empowered you. You are empowered for a purpose. That is so much greater, church, than this building. That's so much greater than this ministry. It's so much greater than those who serve in this church. You have the privilege of being a witness for the Almighty God. For the King of all kings. As I ask you to stand to your feet tonight. His purpose is so much more than us showing up and filling a position inside the church. I'll say that one more time. His purpose is so much more than you showing up and filling a position inside of the church. It's being a part of the restoration of creation, church. It's being a part of the restorative plan, the divine plan, and the divine purpose of God in your life to be a witness When we understand this, the power will fall. When you understand this, the power will fall. 
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.